This is Reynolds Podcast, The Creative Mindset. Welcome to The Creative Mindset, a podcast about the art of building a career through conversations with the world's leading practitioners of creativity. It's an intimate journey on how they got started, their turning points, failures, and tips on work on life. I am your host, Ray Inamoto, the founding partner of IANCOP, a global innovation firm based in New York and Tokyo. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Cindy Gallup, the founder and the CEO of Make Lab Now Porn. In the last episode, we talked about how she built her career in advertising. In this episode, we talk about her midlife crisis, how she found her conviction to spend the rest of her life, and how she's designing her own system. So let's get started. So I want to turn to the current chapter of your career,、yeah. uh, which is make,、uh, make Love Not Porn.、Uh, tell us a little bit about, I know the backstory of you know, how you got、mm. into it when you were, I think it was one of the pitches that you were working on BBH that you came across younger men and what their、oh, right. uh, so, patterns were. <laughs> well, well, no, 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 it, it was.、Um, okay. So, uh, so, so yeah, tell, tell us yeah, a quick story about yeah, the yeah, origin yeah. of、uh, sure. Yeah. So, so, so for our audience, I have a business, Make Love Not Porn, that is a complete and total accident.、Um, because I never consciously, intentionally set out to do anything. I very bizarrely find myself doing now. And the thing about this is that everything in my life and career has always happened by accident. I've never consciously planned anything. And so I date younger men, but that happened by accident. Because 20 years ago, when I was running BBH New York, we were asked to pitch for an online dating brand. It was called Udate. It, it had been started in the UK and it wanted to launch in the US and it put its business out to pitch with a group of agencies. And you know, as you know, Ray, in our industry, when you pitch for clients' business, you have to experience the client's product and the entire competitive landscape. So we all had to online date. And this was 20 years ago, and none of us ever had. Because back then, online dating it wasn't a thing. You know. So the rest of my pitch team at BBH, they were all married, you know, living with, dating. They all went online as fake personas, you know, created, created identities on these sites.、Um, I was single. I thought, I have to do this for business reasons. Why not do it for real? You know, why not find out what this whole all or nothing thing is all about? So、um, I posted my profile on a bunch of sites, very honest about everything, including my age. Got an avalanche of responses, very good for the ego, but much to my surprise, because I had not considered this as a dating strategy, 75% of those responses were from much younger men. And I suddenly realized that I was every young guy's fantasy. You know, <laughs> so you were in yep, your 40s? <laughs>、um, yes, yep, 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 I was 42 at the time. Okay, you know, tried to build a woman, high flying career, didn't want to settle down, didn't want to get married, I never wanted to get married, didn't want children, never wanted children. I just wanted to have some fun, which, you know, I just started an advertising agency. I was working 24 7, fun was totally not happening, you know. And so,、um, you know, I thought, gosh, had not identified this strategy, it works for me. So that's how I began dating younger men, which I've been doing very happily ever since. But then, so how Make Love Not Porn came about was、um, I basically began realizing through dating younger men, and, and you know, this realization really crystallized about 15 years ago. I began realizing that I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. I realized that I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. 
When those two factors converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 15 years ago, no one was talking about this. No one was writing about it. This was me in isolation as, as you know, a naturally action-oriented person going, I'm going to do something about this. So 13 years ago, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com, pure as a little side venture, that in its original iteration was just copy. You know, the construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. I launched Make Love Not Porn at the TED conference in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face, on the TED stage, six times in succession. The talk went viral as a result, and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every single country in the world, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out telling me things about their sex lives and their porn-watching habits they'd never told anyone before, and I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that was the point at which went, oh my God, I now have a personal responsibility. I have to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that will make it much more far-reaching, helpful and effective. But I also saw an opportunity to do what I believe in very strongly, which is that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. I saw the opportunity for a big business solution to this huge untapped global need. And I use the word big advisedly, Ray, because even then, 13 years ago at concept stage, I knew if I wanted to counter the global impact of porn as default sex ed, I would have to come up with something that at least had the potential one day to be just as mass, just as mainstream, and just as all-pervasive in our society as porn currently is. So thinking big right from the get-go. So what I decided to do was, I always emphasize that make love not porn is not anti-porn because the issue is not porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. If we did, amongst many benefits, people would be able to bring a real-world mindset when they view what is simply performative produced entertainment. And so our tagline at Make Love Not Porn is, we are pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And our mission is one thing only, which is to help make it easier for every single person in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. And so given this mission, I decided very simply to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to this one area of universal human experience no other social network platform will allow in order to socialize sex and to make real world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on social media. And so I turned Make Love Not Porn into the world's first and only user-generated, entirely human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we are what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it sadly doesn't. If porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are the only window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful, comical, awkward, hilarious sex we all have in the real world. 
we are socialising sex, making it easier for everyone to talk about, to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and good sexual behaviour, and therefore we are literally sex education through real-world demonstration. We call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the fact we're making it social. And being able to talk about it exactly. openly without any hesitation. Well, and no any... shame, embarrassment, guilt. Right, right. Because, 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 you know, uh, I said Make Love Reform was an accident, Ray, but what is no accident is that my background is 27 years working in advertising. Because I know, therefore, you know, I've spent 27 years working in the business of communication. I know that everything great in life and business is born out of great communication. Sex is no different. Great sex is born out of great communication. Can't agree more. Uh, a few more last questions. Uh, um, no, 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 no oh, last sure. questions because I want to talk about okay. um, the relationship Make Love Not Porn has with Japan. Oh, yes, please do. And, and it's very important. Please okay? do, please, please. Um, um, to, um, especially because, you know, um, part of this story has not been told publicly and so you have the opportunity on your podcast, yeah. Ray. Because um, Japan has played a very big role in... Um, in a, my um, coming up with the concept for Make Love Not Porn, and B, um, in, in what I designed to do. So, um, for the benefit of our listeners, when I was working at BBH Singapore, I ran our Levi's Asia Pacific business across the region, and we also won the Levi's Japan business. And so I commuted to Tokyo very regularly from Singapore. Um, so, um, the upshot being that I spent a lot of time in Japanese hotel rooms. And therefore, I spent a lot of time watching Japanese porn. <laughs> and so, you know, I thought, mm-hmm, right, okay, Japan needs what, I'm, I'm, what I want to do with Make Love Not Porn. So I talked to my Japanese colleagues at Hakuhodo about it, and they went, oh, my God, yes, Japan needs this. You know, I talked to my um, Japanese friends. I said, I would love to put up a Japanese version of this porn world versus real site. Um, and, and, you know, I was working with some amazing, you know, digital um, people. Um, but it's funny how much they went, oh, Sinisan, don't know about that. <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but, you know, one of these very nice gentlemen who went, well, not in touch with the marshmallow, he said, I know a, a Japanese woman. And by the way, again, so long ago, I've sadly forgotten her name and I must look it up. He, he said she used to work as a creative in, I think, Hakodo. And she had very unusually for a Japanese woman, she'd started her own digital agency. Mm. And he said she might be open to working with you on this. So he introduced me to her and I said, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to be in Tokyo for Adtech Tokyo. I'd love to talk to you. So she and I met up in Tokyo and she said, my agency is very small. You know, I have three um, digital developers I'm working with. They're all men. And I work with my best friend, who is a woman, who is also our office manager. And she said, so my best friend doesn't speak in English. And so I showed her your site and I translated it for her. And she said, and then I realized how Make Love Not Porn is supposed to work. Because she said, this woman is my best and dearest friend. We've known each other since kindergarten. Okay? And yet we have never, ever talked about sex. And she said, off the back of looking at your website together, we had this amazing conversation about sex. And she said, I suddenly realized, you know, um, how what you're doing is designed to work. 
And, you know, I was thrilled. And so I said to her, you know, that's fantastic. I'm, um, you know, I want to raise funding. And when I have the funding, I would love to commission you to do a Japanese version. Now, unfortunately, it then took me two years <laughs> to, to raise seed funding for Make Love Not Porn TV. And so I had to kind of backburn the idea of, of doing a Japanese version. But I, you know, I knew how badly Japan needs Make Love Not Porn. So um, fast forward to the summer of, um, and I can't remember exactly which, which year this was, a number of years ago, but um, Kiko Suyama, who is a brilliant Japanese journalist who's based here in New York, reached out and asked to interview me for ERA, the Asahi Shimbun magazine. Mm -hmm, uh, I don't know if it's still being mm -hmm. yeah. published. But, yeah. um, and I said, yes, of course. So she came and interviewed me about Make Love Not Porn, and I said to her, um, can you please write into this interview that I am looking for Japanese investors um, to fund the launch of Make Love Not Porn Japan because Japan really needs this. And I know it would be very successful, you know, um, and I talked to a lot of people who really, really got it, um, but I need funding and I need partners. You know. So she, um, she, wrote, she wrote this into an interview. It ran in, that, in the summer of that year. And a few weeks later, I got an email um, from somebody at a company in Japan and, and this person said, um, we've, seen your art, we've seen your interview. We're very interested. We'd like to propose a joint venture. We will fund the launch of Make Love Not Porn Japan in return for 50% of the revenue. And I went, bloody hell, I'm taking that call. So um, I, I, I did a phone call. And this company was, uh, and I think it's, it's fine, fine to talk about this now. Um, but um, th um, th this company was called Yappa. It was a digital, you know, digital company, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what was really interesting, Ray, was um, how they'd come to call me. Because um, it turned out that that interview had been read by one of um, what Japan's billionaires, a gentleman who sadly is no longer with us because he passed away a few years ago, but, but this is a number of years ago. And he said to them, this woman has a very interesting idea that the Japanese people do not understand yet. He said, I want to fund it, make it happen. And the reason he called Yappa was because um, the team there spoke English, but they were also they were a digital publishing company. Mm -hmm. And so they had the infrastructure and the ability to partner to help launch Make Love Not Porn Japan. And so um, we had um, so we had this conversation on the phone. And, you know, obviously I wasn't going to embark on anything like this without seeing the whites of their eyes. Mm -hmm. So I said, um, <clears throat> we, um, we, we need to meet. And so they, they, they very kindly covered the cost mm -hmm. of flying me to Tokyo from, um, from uh, Sydney, I think it was. And, and they absolutely saw the potential. So um, this conversation went extremely well. Um, and, so, and so then they said, this is really interesting. They said, OK, we are willing to, to, you know, do this joint venture deal with you on one condition. And it was a very good condition. They said to me, you have to find the Japanese version of you. Because, Interesting. Because, because they said, we'll absolutely bring you over to Japan. You know, we'll put you on, you know, TV shows and whatever. But you need to find the Japanese Cindy Gallup who can be the front person to make love, not porn in Japan. And they were absolutely right. I mean, you know, and so I went, OK, you know, so I then reached out to my network and actually there were a number of potential Cindy Gallops in Japan. You know, there absolutely are women like me. And so we were, you know, exploring these options. So one day, you know, we were, you know, 
having this conversation, everything was forging ahead. Then the next day I got an email which was headed sudden change of plan. And they basically said, I'm terribly sorry, we won't be progressing with this after all. And, and they didn't really give a reason. Okay. What I subsequently discovered was that the reason um, we didn't progress was because um, Yasuki Mizawa's company, Zozo, yeah. had, had made an offer to acquire Yappa. And in that scenario, the last thing you're going to be doing is like launching an adult, <laughs> adult content venture, you know, and, um, you know, especially with due diligence and, you know, all of that. Um, although I have to tell you, that is why I applied um, um, to Mazawa-san's Dear Moon project. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so I created an application, you know, I got through several stages of the application process through to the video stage. Um, because the point I made was... You know, as we embark on space exploration, we're going to be having sex in space. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we need to ensure that, you know, good sexual values and good sexual behavior happening. And therefore, we need to make space love, not porn. <laughs> and that was why I deserved a place on that rocket ship. That to, is amazing. You know, you know, I'll, 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 I'll send you my video after this. So I love you, that. You yeah. can take a look yeah. at it. Um, but, but anyway, um, you know, um, so... What I do have now is, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that came out of it is, I do have a template on how to launch Make Love Not Porn in Japan. Okay. And for any Japanese so investor or... So, so you know, no, 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 you know, it was that close. So ever since then, I am still looking mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. Japanese investors and partners wow. who, who get the enormous potential in let Japan. Me, let me see if and how I uh, may be able to help. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. I have, I have, I'm, my network, you know, it's not that big, but still... It's something, so mm. I love to I'll be able to help. And and honestly, make love porn only gets more relevant with every passing year, yeah, unfortunately. Definitely, you definitely. know, um, to, but because also, um, so, so on one of my trips to Japan, I met with um, an oh my god, I'm now blanking on his name, um, a member of the Tokyo Parliament, um, and and you know, I said to him, make love not porn is the answer to the plunging Japanese birth rate. Yes. The government needs to fund us, you know, and, and, and he agreed. I'll, I'll, I'll look up his name because we had a great meeting um, and he said he would absolutely see if he could bring it up in Parliament. Um, I don't think he ever managed to. But, 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 but honestly, I've been blown away, Ray, by the, by the number of people I've spoken to mm -hmm. um, in, in Japan who really get it. Mm -hmm. And um, because, because, you know, I use technology to make good things happen in the real world. Make mm -hmm. porn is all about, you know, um, improving communication around sex to improve your sexual relationship, to improve your relationship. And that is what Japanese people really, really need. Mm. Cool. So just to wrap up, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, explain uh, a lot of uh, other things in your career. But, you know, this, uh, this backstory about Make Love Not Porn, have you ever told this publicly? I, I personally haven't heard uh, this specific part the, of that. The, the Make Love Not Porn Japan story? No, never. Yeah? No. Right. And can, yeah. We, can we use it? Yes, of course you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yep. Um, so. yeah. No, because no, 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 it's all ancient history, uh, right. you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no, you absolutely can. Right. Yes. So just to wrap up uh, hmm. uh, the interview, um, I, the, the la one of the last questions that I wanted to ask was, uh, you know, what advice do you have for somebody who's starting their, their career? But I want to be a bit more specific. Mm. If you were to tell a young professional starting their, you know, let's say in their, in their early 20s, what are the, say, two or three skills that helped you in your career? And given that it's not, you know, 1985, but it's 2022, say somebody who's 22, 23, 24, 
what are the, the two or three specific skills that you would advise them to have or to cultivate? Right, okay, so my answer to that is not going to be skills, but, okay. a, but actions, okay? okay. And, um, and again, I, I want to ground this very firmly in the context of Japan, um, Ray, because, you know, um, when, you, when you ask if creativity can be learned, I absolutely believe it can. And I believe there is a huge appetite um, in Japan, and especially amongst Japanese women, to really throw off the constraints and let that creativity flourish. And I want to share with you, you in the audience, an anecdote um, that made a profound impression on me at the time. So this was something I think like um, 11 years ago. Um, I was speaking at the iMedia Summit in Japan in Okinawa. And I was talking about the future of advertising and I was talking about creativity and how to do great work and so on um, to an audience of um, Japanese brands and clients, as well as agencies. And I recall, unsurprisingly, I was the only woman on the stage. Um, you know, all the other speakers are male. Anyway, um, so I gave a talk, and you've seen me speak in the past. And afterwards, um, it was time to break for lunch, and I was standing in the line for the buffet, and a young Japanese woman came up to me. Bear in mind, this is 11 years ago, Ray, and her English was not very good, which made what she said even more touching. She said to me, please, I want to be you. Please tell me, how can I be you? Oh my God, Ray, mm. I was so moved. Mm. Because this was a young Japanese woman who had just seen a Western-looking woman on stage operating in ways that no Japanese woman was encouraged to, being really outspoken, you know, really projecting articulating my own views, being provocative, being challenging. And her response to that was, I want to be you. And trust me, there are a lot of Japanese women who want to be me. So um, my advice to them, and, and, and this advice applies to um, uh, actually young Japanese men as well, to be perfectly honest, because I believe there are a lot of much more right-minded Japanese men in you know, Gen Z and, and millennials. Um, because this, this is advice that I've been giving to young people um, in any industry, by, by the way. But ever since um, I, I was speaking at Cannes Lions, um, something like, again, gosh, uh, you know, eight years ago. And in the Q&A session, a young woman said to me, Cindy, what is the single piece of advice you would give a young person going into advertising today? And I said, don't. And then I said, let me explain what I mean by that. Don't go into advertising to go into advertising. Instead, go into advertising to make what you want to happen, happen. So I said to her, what I'm now going to say in response to your question, Ray, which is for any young person at the start of their careers, here's what I want you to do. Go into your industry, whatever it is, uh, because this advice applies to any industry, not just creative industries. Okay, go into your industry, absolutely take a job at you know, whatever company is lucky enough to employ you, and then take a long, hard look around you at your industry and identify what you think is missing that should be there. Use your fresh perspective, your objective lens as someone new into the industry to identify what you would absolutely love to have in the industry that no one started, what you think should be there that you could bring to the table and then start that. Honestly, 
you know, if you want to carve out a really happy, fulfilling creative path for yourself, you know, you're not going to do it within the system. You do it by designing your own system. And so absolutely identify that opportunity. And let me tell you that through the female lens, there is so much opportunity in every Japanese industry. OK. Um, and then start that for a couple of reasons. Um, so when I say encourage people to do this, I always say start your own industry. And I actually mean start your own business, but I, I deliberately articulate like that because when you start your own business, you can make it work any way you want it to. You can design it around the work-life balance you want, how you think you can be most creative. When you design it to work the way you want it to, you are starting the industry we all want to live and work in. And the second reason I tell young people to do this is the giant companies that dominate our industry, and obviously, you know, in Japan, those are Dentsu and Hakuhoto, and all around the world, you know, the big global companies. Um, honestly, they find it really hard to innovate and disrupt because they are locked into that old world order way of thinking about things. But what they can do is they can acquire innovation and disruption. So when you start your own industry, start your own business, around this huge opportunity in our industry or any industry that you can identify through your fresh lens, especially if it's female. And, and I can guarantee you that if you want this to exist, there are millions of other people who, who want it to as well and will pay good money to use it. All you have to do is operate that business for a relatively short period of time before giant holding company X buys it from you for an absolute gun fucking shit ton of money. And that is the quickest path to wealth creation in any industry. This was part two of my conversation with Cindy Gallup, the founder and the CEO of Make Labna Porn. Slightly different from the first part of my conversation with her, this one focused on the second chapter of her life, of her career. And there were three key takeaways that I think are useful to the audience, but also I, as somebody who's in the second half of my career, I took away as takeaways as well as, as hints of my own career moving forward. So three key takeaways from my conversation with Cindy. Key takeaway number one, midlife crisis is real, don't panic. Key take number two, first find your calling and then find your conviction to spend the rest of your life. Key takeaway number three, if you want to find happiness, design your own system. Number one, midlife crisis is real, don't panic. Having gone through a midlife crisis myself, I actually didn't know when I was in my 20s and 30s that I would actually face a midlife crisis. In my mid-30s and late-30s, that's when I started to feel anxious about my future and I didn't really know what to do. And I started to look for my next opportunity and eventually I decided to start my, my own company and that I realized in hindsight was a way to deal with my midlife crisis. Looking around, you know, people in their 30s and people in their 40s, you know, a lot of my friends in that age bracket, I see that many of my friends face a similar mental challenge of finding 
what they want to do for the next 10, next 20 years of their career. But it's okay. Midlife crisis is something that everybody faces and something that everybody can deal with. So key takeaway number one, midlife crisis is real, but don't panic. Key takeaway number two is find your calling, then find your conviction. This actually relates to another conversation that I had with another guest, Ian Spalter, where he talked about finding your calling early in his career. He found his calling uh, to become a designer, and that's what he's been spending the last 15, 20 years of his career, and that has become his calling. In Cindy's case, she found her calling in advertising in the early part of her career, and then she had her midlife crisis, and she found her conviction, which became a club porn. When she was still working in the advertising industry, she talked about trying out a dating site, and then that was the discovery moment for her to find her conviction. It was really interesting to hear Cindy talk about the moment that she found her conviction from the little insight of, you know, online porn had become a sex education tool, especially for young men. That was the opportunity for her to realize not just to start a, a, a business, but really to start a revolution. And the scale of her thinking is, even though it's just her individual experience and individual insight, she has this vision and scale that goes beyond the boundary of what she might be able to do as an individual. There's no boundary, there's no limit to what she thinks she can do. And that was another revealing moment into the minds of Cindy Gallup, you know, who is fearless and who must be a role model for many, many women, especially women around the world, because the ceiling that she put on her, she has already shattered that glass ceiling a long time ago. And it's really limitless, her ambition and her uh, influence. So in the first part of your career, find your calling in order to build your career. And in the second part of your career, find your conviction so that you can spend the rest of your life doing that. Key takeaway number three, if you want to find happiness, design your own system. This was a piece of advice that she had, particularly to female individuals building their own careers. And majority of people, whether you know you are a, a woman or a man, you go into a certain company, you go into a certain industry to build your career. But her ultimate advice, if you want to be really happy, she believes that designing your own system is the way to go. She, having spent the, the first part of her career in the advertising system, she didn't say she was unhappy about it, but eventually she got out of it and then she realized that her mission was elsewhere and she found her conviction and she designed and she's still designing her own system. So key takeaway number three is if you want to be happy, design your own system. To summarize the three key takeaways from part two of my conversation with Cindy Gallup. Key takeaway number one, midlife crisis is real, don't panic. Key take number two, 
First, find your calling and then find your conviction to spend the rest of your life. Key takeaway number three, if you want to find happiness, design your own system. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Creative Mindset. Next time, we hear from Paolo Antonelli, the lead curator of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So stay tuned. This was your host, Ray Nomoto. This is The Creative Mindset.